Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so great to be with you. I'm honored to be able to share uh, this message with you today. As Thad said, the, uh, the theme of this series has been, what should every Christian do before they kick the bucket, right? So he invited people to share something they're passionate about, and I'm very passionate about memorizing the Bible. And so I want to encourage and inspire you today, not just to memorize like a verse or two, like John 3.16. I mean, do that. But also I want to encourage you to maybe take an extra step and memorize an entire chapter. And I, I uh, want to encourage you, and hopefully by the end, I will have sold you not only idea that it's a good idea, but that you can do it. So that's my goal today. Um, because I imagine as soon as I say that, it's like, uh, I have this, uh, me, I remember, it's an entire chapter? Like, no, no, I could never do that. But I think, I think you'll find that you can, and you'll be inspired to do so. So um, for me, it's been life-changing. Like, I, I became a Christian, when I became a Christian, before that, I was an atheist, I thought I knew everything. It turned out I didn't know anything. Um, and uh, God rescued me. And, and I had a lot of questions. And memorizing the Bible has really been the way that he has given me answers and has changed me. And I'm a totally different person uh, than, when I used, than what I used to be by his grace. And uh, using the Bible in me and through me has been really that vehicle for that. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I want you to find that as well and find a... Um, we live in a very unsettling world with a lot of things going on, as you know. And if you spend a lot of time on, on any kind of media, you, it can be concerning and confusing and we can be just lost. But having God's word in your heart, having especially whole chapters filling your mind can really give you that sense, at least for me, it's given me that sense of, of stability, that sense of I'm not tossed around, I'm not confused. Um, I am often confused, but I'm not like, it doesn't rock me. Uh, like it used to before I had his word in my heart. So, but again, I can imagine you pushing back and go, okay, that's all good for you. You must, you know, you speak on stage. You must be like some kind of a, you know, Bible, you know, all you do is read the Bible and you're a monk or something, you know, you don't, you're not in the real world like the rest of us. And I want to encourage you that I am in the real world like the rest of you. I've got jobs and family and drama and problems and um, uh, we, we all have our stuff. Um, but I had just happened to pr- prioritize this. It's been, I've found it to be helpful and it's been really, really important. So I just want to encourage you, you can do it too, even in the real world. <clears throat> um, so, uh, but before I kind of address some of those objections, I want to inspire you by, by helping you understand why you might want to do that. And um, because you might kind of wonder, well, we live, in the, we live in 2021, can't we just Google it? You know, do we really have to worry about memorizing stuff? Because we, can just, we have it all at our fingertips, right? We can just Google it. And I just want to tell you that, no, that's, that's not enough. We still need to memorize the Bible. And the main reason we need to do that is because Jesus memorized the Bible. And our model is to follow him. Jesus is the pattern for our life. 1 John 2, 6 says, those who live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's what, we're supposed to, that's what we're supposed to do as Christ followers. We're supposed to follow him. And why? Because that's the best life for us. It's the best way to live. So um, Jesus memorized the Bible a lot. And why did he do that? Well, lots of reasons, I'm sure. But one of the big reasons that we see in the Bible is that is, is revealed when Jesus was tempted by the devil at the time when his ministry was first beginning. And so I want to share that with you to start with this morning. Uh, Luke 4 is one of the places this is shared, and I'm going to read that, and maybe there a few things might surprise you as we go through that today. 
So starting in, in verse one of Luke four, it says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Yes, that, I imagine so. So the devil said to him, tempting him, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. What was Jesus's answer? It is written. And then he recites a verse from the Old Testament from memory. Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you will then worship me, it will all be yours. This is the temptation of power. So Jesus didn't debate the devil on whether or not he had this authority. He didn't, he didn't uh, challenge him on that. What he challenged him was, it is written. Again, another verse from the Old Testament. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So the devil took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For get this, the devil quotes the Bible to Jesus. There's a kind of a reason he's the devil, right? Um, quotes this verse out of context, right? He says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they'll bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. What was Jesus' answer? It is said, or it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So as I envision this exchange between the devil and Jesus, this is a real world thing. This is historical. This is a historical thing that happened. And, and the, the Bible portrays it as in the wilderness. It portrays it as real and, um, and quite intense. It isn't something like I imagine, like it wasn't the devil and Jesus sitting down at Thomas Hammer and having coffee together and having a theological debate. Oh, if you're the son of God, oh, it is written, oh, la, la, la. It wasn't like that. It wasn't just this happy little thing. And it wasn't even like on a debate stage where, you know, we've got Jesus and the devil and they've got these podiums and they're standing here and like, it is written. And over here, like, no, 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 it is written. You know, it wasn't like even like that. It was much more real life. It was much more dangerous, I think. It was much more life-threatening of a battle. Um, Jesus was about to embark on the most important ministry ever. And the devil's trying to stop him from doing that. And it was a real life battle. So in my mind, and this may just be kind of my weird, my weird something about me that I'm seeing it this way, but I kind of envision it as more like an epic karate battle between two masters, uh, life or death struggle of, of this kind of a battle. Now, I'm not making a theological statement. Now, just in case some you got to go, no, I'm not saying that this is actually real. I'm just making an analogy for the purpose of teaching. It's a teaching device. So don't, don't worry too much about it. I love theology and I'd love to talk theology sometime, but um, so I'm not making a theological statement. I'm just, this, this to me makes a good analogy. Why? Because we, um, because we, the Bible says we have a, a enemy, the devil who prowls around looking for someone to devour. We are in a life or death struggle with an enemy that the Bible says is out to get us all the time, just like this enemy was out to get Jesus. So what do people, how do people respond? How do martial artists respond when they know there's an enemy? Well, first of all, they have memorized a lot of moves, a lot of things they practice. They learn how to stand. They learn how to hold their arms. They learn how to punch. They learn how to do lots of different things. 
And they don't just learn it all at once. They learn it over time and they memorize and they practice. And so there's a lot of similarity between us needing to memorize the Bible and practice, our, practice the scripture and do spiritual disciplines like that and what martial artists do. Martial artists also, um, in their practice, they have sparring partners so that they can feel like they are ready when an actual uh, punch comes at them or some actual um, enemy tries to attack them. They practice with a partner. And so I'm actually going to invite Chris up here to be a sparring partner with me today to do a little bit of a demonstration on what I... um, on what sparring might look like for someone who's being tempted and how you might respond. Hey, Chris, thanks. Chris does all the things. Give Chris a hand. Thank you so much for doing, in the middle of everything else Chris does on a Sunday morning, which I tell you, which I assure you, is a, is a million things. And all through during the week, too, he's, in, he's been willing to come and have fun with me. But it may very well be because on his bucket list, maybe he wanted to punch his father-in-law. Oh, yeah. So um, he gets an no. opportunity to do that today. So um, we're going to do just a little bit of a very slow, just fun little demonstration to give you a visual as to what it might look like when we're tempted. Uh, so again, one of the things is, um, th- that, again, people like push back and they might say, well, why couldn't I just Google it? Why do I have to memorize it? Well, Jesus didn't have Google and we have Google now, so maybe Jesus would have just Googled it. Well, here's the problem with Googling it. If, if you're going to be punched, if you, got, if you have an enemy coming after you and some of your, and Kristen, my sparring partner, is going to punch me and I'm Googling it and they punch you, you get punched, Right? You, get, you don't have time to Google, what's my response if somebody tries to punch me in the face? You have to practice. You have to be ready. And so um, as part of this, Chris is gonna, we're going to mix it up a little bit, and uh, Chris is going to, in his punch, he's going to say something that, my, that an enemy, that the enemy might say to us as a lie, and I'm going to respond with a, both a physical and, uh, and a Bible verse. And so you'll kind of see how this goes. I'm going to challenge him. Don't okay. hurt me, please. Br- bring okay. it, man. Bring it, bring it. <laughs> All right. But Doug... Science says that there's no God. The Bible's not real. Oh, it is written. I didn't get punched, right? <laughs> the, the, um, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. It is written. Thank you. Nice. All right, let's try that again. Bring another one. But Doug, you have sinned way too much. There's no way God's going to forgive you. Oh. oh, no, it is written. <laughs> the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Thank you. He actually is like a karate guy too, so this is, oh, he's no. taking it really easy. This is <laughs> be afraid. God's not going to be with you. It's not going to work out. Oh, <clears throat> oh, it is written. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, this is too much fun with Chris. Sorry. <laughs> it is written. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Awesome. Thank you. Chris. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so again, you get the lesson, right? The punches are like lies that the enemy wants to tell us, and the responses are memorized verses that come because they're in there, and you've practiced them, and they're ready. Uh, So there's a lot of things that are wrapped up in that, at least again in my mind, that help us understand how important it is to memorize and be ready, because we do face uh, similar problems like this. We all hear lies. We all hear things in our minds that tell us things Maybe some of the things you heard, maybe some other things. But the Bible often has responses. And if we practice and have those in our minds and hearts, we can have those responses and they won't punch us and take us out. So um, like martial arts, it takes a long time, as we mentioned, it takes a long time to build up that spiritual memoir, that that repertoire of spiritual memory and um, of scripture memory, excuse me. 
So what's the alternative, though, to just to get punched, to get waylaid every time, you know, you might, if, you, if we don't have that in there, that we, we, get, we get taken out. And Christians are getting taken out today. Christians are, are getting lost and confused. We live in a, a very confusing time with a lot of different messages out there. But the Bible has responses if we have them in our hearts. So another similarity with martial arts is that martial artists are trained for self-defense, they're not trained to, to be like to attack and people. They're, we're, they're much more trained to defend yourself so that you're ready when a bully shows up. We aren't the bullies ourselves. So this aligns with James 4, 7, which says, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil like in self-defense, and he will flee from you. That's quite a promise. So another thing about experienced martial artists is that they can take a punch they get, they're used to it. They have these sparring partners, right? But they, they're used to being, um, they're used to facing attacks. So they're not surprised when they when an attack comes and it doesn't knock them out. They're like, okay, I get back up and I come, and I come, and, I come back and, and I'm able to, to, uh, still continue to defend myself. So this similarly, um, spiritually, when we, people who have walked with the Lord for a long time and we're more mature in our faith, we've been through stuff. We've been through battles. We've seen God be faithful. And we've learned the scriptures enough to be able to apply them when problems come. So we're not, we're not again, we're not waylaid. We're not knocked out when those things come. And so we're ready because of those things. Christians who don't know God's word, we're open to being deceived. We're, op, op, we're open to being misled. And the Bible has a lot of warnings about being deceived and misled, especially in these confusing times. But again, the Bible is also the answer. And that's why it's so important to memorize it and to have it in your hearts. So another reason that we sometimes don't think about, especially in our culture today, about why you might want to memorize the Bible is a day may come when you don't have the Bible available. We, again, we've got 10 Bibles. You might have 10 Bibles at home. You've got 100 Bibles on your phone. You know, why, do we, why would we worry about that? Well, Christians in Afghanistan, maybe even a month ago, might have, may have thought they would have the freedom to read their Bibles. And the church there had grown a whole lot over the time of the Americans being there. Now everything's changed and they may not have a Bible available. What they, what they have in their heart is what they have. And that's, that's the, been the, the story of the persecuted church really from the history of the church. And, and so the importance of having that, even if, you don't, even if you're in a situation where you just don't have a Bible handy and something happens and you need it, having it in your heart and in your mind to respond to whatever situation you're facing when you don't have a Bible is really, really important. Another thing that's really good in terms of why you might want to memorize the Bible is is something that's very obvious to me as a software developer. I do software development as my day job. And I know this old, some of you who are into software probably know this old kind of thing that people say, garbage in, garbage out. If, if you have bad input, well, that bad output will, will also happen. And so it's the same with us. If we have, if we have negative input, often negative stuff comes out and our world is full of negative, negative input. And if you were here when I spoke about um, our relationship with screens and screen addiction, um, subject of a book that I've written, um, you'll know that I would obviously probably go here because most people are spending six to 12 hours a day on some kind of screen. And often those screen inputs are not very positive. They're certainly not as positive as what we get through the scriptures. And so with all that negative input, is it any wonder we have so many negative outputs in our life? And we behave in ways that we maybe wish we wouldn't. Why did I do that? Well, a lot of that can, come, can happen because we don't have enough of that positive input coming through the scriptures. 
So there's a lot of reasons to memorize the Bible, but I can still imagine some of you going, okay, yeah, 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 I get it, but I can't memorize the Bible. Why? I don't have a good memory, right? Some of you might be saying that to yourself. Oh, that's good for you. You probably have a good memory, but other people don't. I don't have a good memory. Well, I realized as I was preparing for this that something about that statement, I don't have a good memory, something about that statement is that it is a self-refuting statement. It's self-refuting. It's internally contradictory. And what do I mean by that? Well, you probably heard of um, self-refuting statements like this statement. If I say, this statement is false, this statement is false, that statement is self-refuting because if it's true, it's false, right? If I say this statement is false, if it's true, it's false. Get that? So it's self-refuting. You can't say that and make it a true statement. It's internally self-contradictory. Or this statement, um, again, having been an atheist in the past, I follow atheist literature at times and some, and some atheists will say, free will is an illusion. They'll make this statement. Free will is an illusion on their worldview. Free will is an illusion. Well, the problem with the statement free will is an illusion, it's internally self-contradictory. It is self-refuting. Why? Because you have, to be, you have to be able to freely evaluate the statement in order to understand the truth or the falsity of it. You have to, you, it's, it's internally contradictory. If you don't have free will, you can't know whether or not you do. So it's an internally self-contradictory statement too. And so similarly, if you make a statement, I have a bad memory, the problem with that statement in terms of its truthfulness is that you would have to be able to remember that you don't have a good memory. It's internally self-contradictory. You don't have enough of a memory to remember. If you had a bad memory, you wouldn't remember it, right? So um, I've admit it's kind of a stretch, but it's still, it's kind of fun too. But I mean, because it's probably for most of us, some of us, some of us really do potentially have a medical or some kind, something that, some kind of trauma that actually causes you to not have a good memory, that, that hurts, that hinders your ability to memorize stuff. But for the rest of us, most of us, it's probably more along the lines of we just don't prioritize memorizing. It's not that important. We're really distracted. Uh, we work too much. Um, we, as you can imagine, what's what Doug would say, we probably spend too much time on our screens. And we may be um, unintentional about the way that we spend too much time on our screens, and we end up spending way more than we, meant, we mean to. And that, that hurts our memory. Um, another surprising thing is we may not get enough sleep. And a lot, most of us don't get enough sleep. And, um, but there are many studies that show the vital nature of sleep in, in helping us to get, helping our memory work. Um, one study at a 2005 study from Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, and I, this, it's kind of long, but in just in the, in the interest of time, I'll boil it down for you. Uh, the bottom line is, uh, this researcher says, um, MRI scans show us that brain regions shift dramatically during sleep. When you're asleep, it seems as though you're shifting memory to more efficient storage regions within the brain. Consequently, when you awaken, memory tasks can be performed more quickly and accurately and with less stress and anxiety. So we remember things better when we get enough sleep, and it's less stressful for us to remember what we've, what we've learned when we get enough sleep. Now, those of us who are, I mean, many of us are students here. You probably know, you know, oftentimes that we don't get enough sleep. Well, if you got more sleep, you, things would be easier for you even there as well. So I want to encourage you in that. So um, there's lots of reasons, lots of objections you might hear. What, here's my biggest answer to the objection. I can't memorize uh, the scripture. And this is the story of Andrea. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite stories in relation to Bible memory. Um, so Andrea... Um, is here. She was, she is in this picture, she's 10 years old. Um, her dad is a pastor, Pastor Luke Velt. 
And this pastor led his church through a two-year journey to memorize the longest chapter in the Bible, which is Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is 176 verses long. It takes about 20 minutes to recite it. Um, you'll be glad I'm not going to be reciting it today. I don't, uh, I don't actually have it memorized yet. Uh, it's on my bucket list. But this church took two years to memorize it. Psalm 119 is interesting because it is broken up into eight, into um, chunks of eight verses at a time. And each of the eight verses starts with a certain letter of the Hebrew alphabet in Hebrew alphabetical order. So it's designed to be memorized if you know Hebrew. Now, if in English, it, if you can still memorize it. It's just a little harder because the acrostic doesn't work as well. But still, it's, it's really wonderful to, to memorize it. So again, Pastor Luke, Andrea's dad, led the church uh, through this journey. This was actually about 10 years ago that they did this. So Andrea at the time was 10 years old, as I mentioned, and she has Down syndrome. So as you can imagine, Pastor Luke did not expect his daughter to necessarily keep up, but he still wanted her to participate. And so, but guess what? In her participation, she actually memorized Psalm 119. Andrea memorized it. How did she do that? Not only did she memorize it, but she memorized it with random access to the verses. So I'm going to show you how she did that in just a second. But first of all, Pastor Luke says this of his sweet daughter. He says, Andrea is pretty good at memorizing, but she doesn't have an extraordinary aptitude for it. She's not a genius or an autistic savant or something. She just worked very hard at this and had fun with it too. So how did she memorize all 176 verses, nearly 2,400 often repetitive words with all these complexities and depths of wisdom and so on? One word, intentionality. They were off the chart intentional with Bible memorization. They invented games. They wrote songs. They put up a whiteboard on their house and wrote the verses out that they were working on and then erased some of the words so they could fill them in. They, um, they practiced. They talked about it while walking uh, to school and while um, coming home, like Deuteronomy 6. They did all the things. So as a result, what do they have? They have some of the most powerful words of love for God and love for his word that are in the Bible in their hearts and in their minds. <clears throat> so... One super inspiring thing that they did is they posted a video of one of the games, and I want to just share that video as inspiration for you today as well. Okay, Andy, should we start? Yes. Okay, roll the dice. Ten. Ten. What does this verse ten say? Say it. With my whole heart, I have loved you. Oh, it's me that's wonderful. Commandments. Give me five. Hey, you get a bonus because you're on a corner. Roll one dime. Five. Now we go around in five. One, two, three, four, five. What does verse 35 say? Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Close enough. Perfect. Isn't that awesome? Let me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. That was a verse that she had memorized. It's powerful. She may not even realize the power at 10 years old, but now, um, 10 years later, she would remember. She would understand it. <clears throat> so this, this is the, the, super, the super awesome thing about this particular example is that it shows that we can do it too. If she can do it, we can do it too. I just a little bit about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has some super powerful um, phrases like, I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. 
I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. All these I, I, I statements, things you say about yourself that the Bible knew 3,000 years ago are some of the most powerful things that you do. And so if you memorize truth, undiluted truth from the Bible, and you start saying, I delight these things, I delight in your word, I will walk in freedom, these kinds of things, you say this about yourself, what happens is they end up becoming true. God uses those things by his spirit to transform you. And so I, I um, wholeheartedly recommend it. So, okay. So maybe I've convinced you. Maybe, maybe uh, if you, you can see that if you prioritize it, you can memorize a chapter too. So how do you do it? Well, uh, in your handout, um, I've, got, I've got a list I'm going to walk through real quickly with the time we have left on some of the, st- some of the ways that I memorize the Bible. And on the back, I've got some chapter ideas because the first thing you need to do is to pick a chapter that you want to memorize because you think that if you memorize that chapter, it would be transformative for you at this stage of your life right now. So what I encourage you to do is find a motivational chapter. Find a chapter where when you realize, man, if I memorize this, this would change me. And so I've got several ideas here. Um, Romans 6 is one of the, if you're, if you're struggling overcoming a temptation, like, you're, like something keeps tripping you up and the devil's using this and it's, and it's just, it's, uh, it's holding you back. Well, there's some truths in Romans 6 that if you had those in your heart and you were able to say those out loud when you're tempted, when you were able to recognize that therefore we have been buried with Christ through his baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Like if you've got that inside of you, you can say that when you're tempted. Or um, 2 Peter 1 I love as well. It's got some super powerful phrases like, um, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's given us everything we need, and it's filled with things like that as well. Second Peter 3 is a great one if you're worried about the future. If, you've, if, you, look at the, if you look at the news, you look at the media, and you go, whoa, what is going on? And we, which we all should, because it's, it's crazy, right? But Second Peter 3 has got some perspective, some answers. It's a great chapter that talks about... Um, that God's not surprised by the end times. It's God's not surprised. It talks about um, with, the, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promises, but is patient, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So God's waiting. God has a plan. It's a great promise to have if you're worried about the future. So I would, that would be a great, might be a great chapter for some of you. Um, would you like to feel more connected to Jesus? You just don't feel... As, connected to Jesus these days like you used to. Well, John chapter 15 is a great chapter. Uh, talks about abiding in Christ as if we are branches and Christ is the vine. Some wonderful truths there that can really help you feel connected and stay connected in reality to Christ. How about wanting to love people better? You feel like, gosh, if I only love people better, it'd be really great. Well, the Bible has a lot of chapters that talk about love, but 1 Corinthians 13 is especially profound uh, it's very different from our culture, which says love, you know, love is this feeling and love has wings and it takes me up to the mountains and la la la, whatever the songs, the latest song says about love. Well, the Bible surprisingly doesn't go there at all. It doesn't talk about your feelings. It talks about love is patient. What? Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. What? Like these are, these are, these are actions. These are behaviors. These are attitudes. These are not feelings. And so the truth, the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 13, awesome there. Ephesians 4 is really, really important for today. Ephesians 4 is um, the apostle Paul showing Christians how we should live, how, we, how to grow 
as Christians, how to mature, and how to get along with each other, how to not be divided, how to be unified. And as I was trying to think about it, I wanted to share a chapter so you can show, so you can see that it can be done. You can memorize a chapter. If I can do it, you can totally do it. Um, I wanted to share a, a chapter with you, and so I'm going to share Ephesians 4. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to share it, of course, with lights in my face in a stage in front of all you people. It's a little different than doing it in the car like I normally do or something like that. So be a little gracious with me as I share this with you. But as I share it, I want you to, um, I want you to, to, try, to try to pick out as, as, this is, as, as you are hearing this maybe in totality for the first time, here, pick out things that are relevant to our day, to our age. Listen to how relevant and how many things that the Apostle Paul wrote almost 2,000 years ago could have been written for us today in the church today, in the, in the wider church. So let's hear if the Apostle Paul had something to say to us today. <clears throat> so he starts by saying in Ephesians 4, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as also you were called with one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now the expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also has descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended, far above all the heavens, so that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And these, having become calloused, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that with regard to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another." 
be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good. So he'll have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so it'll give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's Ephesians 4. It's, <clears throat> thanks. It's, kind of a, it's kind of relevant, isn't it? It's like, if you, had that, if you have that wired in, if that came out of you, like if that came out of all of us, if that came out of the church at large, that would be a transforming thing. And so it's inspiring. I hope that inspires you to, to want to have this wired into you as well and to pick a chapter that's meaningful to you. So once you pick a chapter, the next thing is to pick a version to memorize it in. And as you might, some of you might know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a word nerd, so I pick a word-for-word -word translation. I, th what I just shared was in the New American Standard, uh, or the English Standard Version is another good word-for-word -word translation. There's other great phrase-by-phrase -phrase translations like the NIV or the NLT that are great. Um, just pick a, pick a version that is a good translation, uh, but also you can memorize it. Like you, can, like you get it. it, it speaks to you as you memorize it. For some of you, that might even be the King James. You might, that, that 400 year old language is kind of otherly. It feels like kind of holy and, um, and it's great for memorizing as well. For some of you, uh, do that. It's great. Um, I just wouldn't pick a paraphrase version like the Living Bible or the Message because those are more commentaries. Those aren't really translations. So if you're going to memorize the Bible, memorize a good translation. Uh, the next thing I recommend is to write it down, write it down and to keep it with you so that when you have a free moment, you can like pick it out of your pocket, the, the chapter you're working on and work, work on it. Writing it down and seeing it in your own handwriting and having it with you uh, triggers things in your brain. Your visual, you're, you're igniting your visual memory systems and every time you see it, you'll remember it, you'll visualize it and you make it much more personal. So you have it with you as well and you can be working on it while you're, while you're working on it, memorizing it. Um, you're also going to have to prioritize it. Um, you're going to have to carve out space. So the next thing is to just to make a quiet space in your life for memorizing. And that'll be different from all, for all of us, but it's important. And when, when you, you, we, make, we make things uh, that are important to us a priority, and so you'll have to, you'll have to find that in your life. Um, the next thing I recommend is to say your verses out loud. And uh, there are some apps for memorizing um, but I don't, I don't recommend that for really, really memorizing it because what you memorize then is like tapping with your phone, typing letters into a phone. And so that doesn't necessarily give you the full cognitive benefit of memorizing. Plus, you may not be able to actually say it out loud. You can only do it if you're looking at your Bible app and typing it out. And so if you want to be able to share what you've memorized, it's really great to say it out loud. Plus, it ignites the auditory um, part of your memory and your brain. So um, you're able to have the visual part. You're also able to have the audio part, and that really helps with memorizing. Um, 
It's also really, really helpful to have someone memorize with you, to have, to have a partner, kind of like a sparring partner, like Chris and I, and we, were, we were working together. Have someone keeping you account, accountable to your goal or memorize it together or memorize it as a family. If you have kids, it, include your kids in it and say it to each other. Hey, how far have you gotten? Hey, can you say it? Can you say it? It really is encouraging to be able to, to have somebody going on this journey with you and it also helps you with your memory too. So I have a lot of other kind of weird stuff I probably do. And then other people, if you've memorized things for school or for whatever, you might have different tricks. One of the things is I make up acronyms um, for long and complex lists, like, uh, like at the end of Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. It's B-W-A-C-S or B-W-A-C-S. So it's like, um, that's kind of a clever way I can remember B-W-A-C-S. So as you, as you memorize, uh, some people might like to write like the different verses in color and, and you can see it in different colors. Um, some of you might just want to listen to it over and over again on an audio Bible and, and say it along with them. Uh, the Velts, as we shared, they wrote songs, they wrote games, they made their house a, a memory place. Like they were, they were in. So, um, Anyway, I just and and I would love to help you. So if you're if you're get, just getting started in this and you want someone to encourage you, if you need some other ideas, or I would I would be very happy to uh, to encourage you along your journey as well. So um, just in, just in closing, real quickly, uh, it is the reason I'm passionate about this is that I really feel that the battle of our age is fought on the field of our minds. We're we're being fought with thoughts, with ideas, and the Bible is the answer. The Bible has the truth if we have it within us. And so the, that's why the Bible says in Romans 12, 2, one of the most famous verses on this idea is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed, but transformed. So we are transformed by what we think, by the words that we take in and the words that we say. And God knew that. And that's why he went to a whole lot of trouble to preserve this incredible collection of his anointed words over thousands of years and allowed us to have it, access to it. We've got we've to imbibe it and memorize it. One quick caveat on memorizing. Um, memorizing is awesome, but it's not the end. It's a means to an end. What's the end? What's our real goal? Our goal is Christ-likeness. Our goal is to love God and love others better. Our goal is to become more like him. Memorizing is a great way to do that, but it's not like the end. It's like, wow, when I memorize all this stuff, I'll, you know, I, we can easily get puffed up with pride. I know I can totally do that or I'll have all the answers or whatever. It's not about that. It's not about the memorizing. It's about becoming like him. Now he can transform us through that. And so it's a great means to that end, but just don't, just don't uh, get tripped up and, and think that it's the end once you get into it. Um, but I hope, I hope upon hearing this now that you understand why you should do it, how you can do it, and that you can do it. You all can do it. And so I just want to encourage you to get intentional about it develop your process for doing it. Pick your chapter, pick your version, write it down and get it done. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll find yourself transformed by the things that you take into your, to your heart and mind. And so, um, yeah, I, with that, I want to remember some of the most important things we can remember by doing communion together. So if you're here in it, or if you're online, grab your communion elements and let's remember the most important event in history, which is what Jesus did for us all. Jesus gave us a great memory device, didn't he? He gave us this incredible memory way of remembering what he did for us on the cross by giving us his body and his blood and connecting it to something we all love to do, which is to eat. And uh, so he gave us this bread and he gave us this cup as 
a wonderful memory device. And let's remember, let's remember that today. Jesus gave us his body. When he was um, having the last supper with his disciples, he said, took the bread, broke it, and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's eat this and remember. And after dinner, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink this and remember what Jesus did for you. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful for all you've done for us. We're so grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus, for you giving everything for us so that we can know you and walk with you and be set free from everything that's, that's holding us back. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. And I just pray for my friends here in the body of Christ and online that we would be able to have more of your word in our hearts and our minds in this important day, this important age, that we would have your word coming out of us. We can be a blessing to the world. Lord, may you use your word by your spirit to transform us into the people that you'd like for us to be. And may your blessing be on each and every family here represented. God, thank you for all you've done. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.